0: Hello everyone out there on Twitter, YouTube, wherever else it is you happen to be finding this little podcast on the interwebs. Welcome to another episode of Fighting the Void, and today I am joined by Rachel Bruno. Rachel has been making the rounds on the internet for, I think, a few years now, sharing her story of her very, frankly, terrifying story. If you have kids, this this story should terrify the ever-living crap out of you, of her run-in with CPS and how that all went down it's uh i've listened to a couple of interviews where rachel where you shared your story and like i said it's terrifying so first uh welcome to the show and thanks for being willing to come on and share your story once more and um but you know what like i said i don't like to waste a lot of time so just go ahead and jump right into it
1: all right well thank you for having me and for giving me the opportunity to share this with your audience you Mm -hmm. know like you said every parent every grandparent everybody should be aware of what truly goes on behind the scenes when cps is called so my story started in july 8th of 2015. just a little background on myself you know i have seizures i have epilepsy and one of the main triggers to my episodes are sleep deprivation or interrupted sleep so for all you moms out there you know that if you have a baby you're not sleeping (laughs) so my doctor recommended that i actually get somebody to help me at least Mm -hmm. with the nighttime to wash my baby so that I could get my full night's sleep. And that's when I decided to hire a nanny. I got referrals from an agency. She used to volunteer at the church, in the nursery, not at my church, but at another church. Mm -hmm. No red flags, was married, had children herself, and was just trying to get into this new profession. So I hired her and she began watching my son when he was about seven days old. And fast forward to when he was about seven weeks old. I just heard him screaming at about four o'clock in the morning. It was just a really loud scream, and I looked at the clock. I'm like, okay, diaper change, feeding, you know, doing something like that. He stopped crying, so I tried to go back to sleep.
2: Mm-hmm. A few minutes
1: later he starts screaming again. Then he stopped. A few minutes he starts again. you know so this went on for about half an hour until I finally you know I got up. I went into the hallway and his room was open. The door was partially open. Mm-hmm. She had him swaddled inside the crib and was just kind of waving him back and forth. And like shushing him by his ear to see if he right. would calm down
2: mm-hmm.
1: he was not calming down so she picked him up put him like in a burp position
2: mm-hmm.
1: and at this point he stopped screaming but he was still crying and really fussy you know so i just i swung the door open and i think she noticed me that's when she noticed me mm-hmm. and i said no anything happened and she said i just fed him you no know, she showed me the bottle he took the bottle and he's really gassy okay okay fair enough Seems Maybe reasonable gassy. yeah, yeah. And at this point I'm home alone. My 20 month old son is sleeping right across the hall. My Mm -hmm. husband was on a business trip. So last thing I wanted is for my 20 month old to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and my having my seven week old screaming. So I told the nanny, I'm like, you know, he's obviously not settling down. I'm already awake anyway. So why don't you go home and I'll I'll take it from here. So she left my house. I unswaddled my son, looked for any bruises, fever, stuffy nose, you know, anything you could think of and nothing, switched out his diaper, and I gave him skin to skin, which, you know, is usually what we're told to do to soothe the baby. Mm -hmm. And he did, he fell asleep on me. I'm like, okay, no, you just wanted your mommy. And I dozed off at that point. Then around seven o'clock, I wake up to him screaming again. And I'm like, okay, no, last feeding was four, seven o'clock, you're hungry. I tried to nurse him, and he would not latch on whatsoever. he just kept his mouth open and like throwing his head back, I'm like, what is wrong with this kid? You know, so I, I swaddle mm-hmm. him, I pick him up. And again, when I pick him up, he stops screaming. So in my head, I'm jaded, you know, colic, nursing strike, gas, anything that came to my mind. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you just want to be held? You know, so I'm just holding him. Yep. And the 20 month old wakes up. So I go in there, get him out of the crib, you know, start my morning routine. And anytime I would put the baby down, he would just start screaming, just screaming his head off. And I pick him up, he's fine. so Mm -hmm. i'm googling i'm like what is wrong with this kid Mm -hmm. my husband's out of town then i finally i call my mom i'm like mom can you please come here you know help me with my older son so that i can take the baby to the pediatrician right right. she comes over i call the pediatrician and they're like we can't see him till three o'clock in the afternoon and at this point i'm like he's been screaming since four o'clock in the morning he needs to see somebody he's not eating Mm
2: -hmm. he just
1: won't stop crying i don't know what's wrong with him so the receptionist is like okay then take him to the emergency room so I get in the car with my mom, with my 20 month old son, drive to the emergency room on our way there. Of course he stops crying. He seems to fall asleep in the car. Like every baby loves to do. Right, right. I get to the emergency room, you know, he, to me, he's asleep, not crying anymore, not making a sound anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Tell the receptionist got that the ER was going on. And she did take me in right away, took all his vitals, no fever, no signs of anything. And I'm like, great. You know, here's this overreactive mom bringing the baby to the emergency room. Doctor probably gonna tell me to give him some Benadryl and go home. (laughs) (laughs) So I go back into the room and the pediatrician comes, tell him the story from 4 a.m. He tells me to lay him down flat on the bed and he walks away. I'm like, okay, you know, probably gonna go get me something then come back. The whole room is silent. He stops just short of the doorway and he's like laser focused on my son, just staring at my son. I'm like, this is weird. And I'm looking at everybody, everybody's quiet right and then right. he starts walking towards the bed and he goes straight to his ear right behind his left ear
2: uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. He's like, Do you feel this did you feel this I said no so he puts my hand there like you feel that bulge right there I'm like yeah like that's fluid that's leaking from his brain oh. so at that point eight people like rush into the room they raise up the rails, you know, I'm sitting down, I'm holding him. They start putting a bunch of things on him. He's like, we need to go do a CT scan right now to see what kind of fluid it is. It can be blood or it could be spinal cerebral fluid. And I'm just like, okay. Neither of okay. those
2: sound good.
1: Yeah, so they're pushing me down the, the hallway, you know, as I'm holding him. And as I'm holding him, his right arm starts twitching. And then that was my first. And then those nurses, they really start running. Mm-hmm. And I look up at the nurse, I'm like, is this normal? like now and then me having seizures myself i'm like okay left side of the brain right arm twitching he's having a seizure seizure first thing that comes to my mind oh my god it's genetic you know it's hereditary i passed this on to my son said a little prayer right there my god please spare my son from having to live with this like i have my whole life i get there doctor pulls him puts him on the machine and tells me you know we'll call you back when the results are in So I go see my mom is outside with my 20 month old son. Mm -hmm. I tell her, I'm like, I don't know what the heck is going on. You know, we went from gassy baby to now there's fluid leaking out of my son's brain. And we're texting everybody, texting our family members. I'm texting my husband who's out of state on a business trip. And I'm just like, everybody pray. I don't know what's going on. Doctors come back, Ms. Breno, takes me to the back where all the screens are, all the monitors are. It's like, this is very serious. I'm like, okay, like the fluid is blood the brain hates blood. We need to go do emergency surgery right now to drain the, the blood and fix the fracture.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There I am signing all the liabilities. Are you against blood transfusions? I'm like, I don't care what you have to do to my son, save my son. And off they go, taking my seven week old son into an operating room for brain surgery. And yeah, and the doctor told me it's that's, blood. That's,
0: that's enough that's right enough. there. That's enough of traumatizing <laughs> right.
1: <end of> <laughs> But the doctor told me at that point it was blood and it's a cranial fracture and an intracerebral blood hemorrhage. So I'm in shock, right? I'm like, I, it didn't even register with me when he said fracture, that it was the actual bone that broke, right? Because I'm thinking a newborn, their cranium isn't completely formed yet. So right. I'm like, did one of those flaps pop open? And it's like legit hard duty. to do with
0: a newborn, actually.
1: Right, I'm thinking aneurysm, you know, I'm thinking anything. Never did I think that this could have been done on purpose. Yeah, yeah. So I tell my mom, and again, we just start praying. Four hours later, the doctor comes, like, okay, you know, we did everything we could clinically well. He's doing well. We were able to drain the blood. He's stable. We fixed the fracture. And of course, my first question, is he gonna be okay? Is there gonna be brain damage? And he said, honestly, we don't know due to his age. You know, he's too young to know. And we don't even know if he's gonna survive the next 48 hours. You know, we have him on a medically induced coma right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: he started having seizures after the surgery probably due to the irritation of the blood that came into contact with the Mm -hmm. brain so you know i'll take you up to his room he's under observation and he'll be here for a while so i go up with my mom and my 20-month-old son bouncing off the walls you know hadn't had a nap all day go with my mom and i just see my son laying there in the bed seemingly lifeless you know the machines are beeping has tubes coming out of every orifice you can imagine has his head wrapped in gauze. And again, I just pray again. Now I say, God, I don't care if I have to dedicate the rest of my life to taking care of my son. Just don't take him away from me. And if you're a believer, you know, if you are a Christian, you know, the voice of the Holy Spirit, you know, that feeling.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it came over me and it said, he's mine. Hey, okay, I gave him to you. Nobody's going to take him away from you. At that point, I had peace you know, the peace that surpasses all understanding, like, okay, you're right, God, no better place for him to be than in your hands. Mm -hmm. And he is yours. So that point, I called my friend to pick up my mom to take her and my son to go spend the night at her house. I obviously wasn't leaving the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I just wait for my husband who was on his way straight from the airport to the hospital.
2: Right.
1: And while I'm waiting, a man in a uniform, like a brown uniform, and a woman with a clipboard, knock on the door. And I look up, it's like Miss Bruno. I said, yeah. I, Can we speak with you?
2: Mm-hmm. I said,
1: okay. You know, I didn't. This brown uniform, he looked like a ranger to me. Like, <laughs> I didn't know who he was. Uh, I thought it was weird. What is this man and this woman doing here? But first words out of his mouth is, Miss Bruno, what happened to your son? Was worse than getting hit in the head by a bullet. And we want to figure out how this happened to your son. We want to help you. you help us Mm -hmm. and i said of course sit down you know sit down and at this point i'm thinking you know if they're asking me for help they obviously know that i didn't do anything why would they be asking me for help so i sit down i tell them the whole saga from four o'clock in the morning the nanny you know the babies everything that was going on my seizures i tell them everything then the cop starts asking me why did it take you so long to bring him to the emergency room i said because because I didn't know what was wrong with him.
2: He's right. Like,
1: why didn't you call 911? I'm like again, I didn't know what was wrong with him. He was just he just wouldn't stop crying. He's like, why did you bring him to a hospital in Orange County when you live in LA County? Because this is the Children's Hospital that I know. Mm-hmm. And he's just you know jotting everything down. Then the social worker asked me. She identifies herself as a social worker, and she said, you know, do you have any other children? I said I do. Like, where is he? Like, he's with my mom. And she's like, is it okay if we go by and see him? So at that point, I'm like, I have nothing to hide, right? You wanna go see him? Yeah, go ahead. I call my mom. At this point, it's around nine o'clock at night and she gets my mom's information and she leaves. So I figure, you know, that's where she was going was to my mom's house. Mm -hmm. The police officer stays with me, asks me if I would be willing to wait for the detectives, that the detectives are on their way. I'm like, okay, I'll wait. I'll speak to the detectives. And again, all in my mind I'm thinking is they're going to go after the nanny, right? I'm, I'm giving them all this information so that they can go get the nanny. My husband shows up at the hospital. The police officer takes him to a different room, interviews him separately, puts me in another room and closes the door to wait for the detectives.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So in hindsight, we can kind of see what's going on now. <laughs> but the detectives show up at around midnight. And remember, I'd been up since 4 o'clock in the morning. They show up at midnight. They interview me till about two o'clock in the morning. And I tell the detectives, you know, I really need to get some sleep. I don't want to have a seizure now. (laughs) So, you know, we can continue later when I wake up, if you would like. So they were very compliant. They gave me their business cards. And at this point, my husband already knew something had happened, but he didn't tell me. Mm -hmm. He knew that I had already been through enough stress that day. So he just gave me my medication as I go to sleep. I went to sleep. I wake up at about 10 o'clock and my husband is just staring at me and my first instinct you know look at the bed like the baby is alive so what what's going on and he said they took David David is my 20 month old son
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I said what do you mean they took David who where and he's like the social worker showed up at your mom's house she's like she lied to me she told me he was gonna see if they were okay and he's like that's not what happened so I call my mom and my mom says yeah they showed up at two o'clock in the morning with police officers armed police officers walk into my mom's house they walk through the house open the refrigerator doors you know to check if there's food then they go see where my son is first thing the social worker does is turn on the lights so wake up my son right there at two o'clock in the morning and she asked my mom to undress him no bruises no rashes no signs of abuse whatsoever and you know my mom is just holding him and she's like we're gonna they're telling me to take him you know she's telling saying that the police is saying that we have to take him and my mom is like no you're not and the social worker's like well if you don't give him to us we're going to arrest you and my mom's like okay if i go to jail do i take him with me <laughs> and the social worker says no he's going to yeah. go to foster care and you're not going to be able to care for him because you're going to have a criminal record so it's two o'clock in the morning. My dad is in the garage looking for lawyers. Nobody's answering the phone, of course. The police is there. The social worker is there, calling for backup. My son is starting to notice, you know, the commotion and that something, something is going is on here. Now. And my mom's, my mom, like, what, what choice did I have? Like, what was I supposed to do?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So my mom goes and takes my son out to the social worker's car and straps him into the car seat and off they go in the middle of the night. Didn't tell my mom where they were taking him, why they were taking him. Mm -hmm. Just gave the business card and said, you know, call me tomorrow. So there we are at 10 o'clock in the morning. My husband is calling the social workers. They won't answer. The Mm -hmm. supervisor won't answer. Basically our son is missing. We don't know where our son is and what's going on. So I start calling the lawyers. I finally got a lawyer who was willing to see me that day. And I go see him and he, I'm like, I'm I'm laughing. I'm like, okay, this is some kind of mistake, right? Like this is some communication error. Like, where's my son and where do I go get him? Yeah. And he's like, sit down. He sit down. He's like, you have no idea what you're in for. I'm like, what do you mean I have no idea what I'm in for? I didn't do this. And he's like, I believe you. Doesn't matter. What do you mean it doesn't matter? What happened to innocent until proven guilty? What happened to the nanny? what the heck is this they can't just come in and take your kid and he's like yeah they can they can it's family court and they don't follow constitutional law they can do whatever they deem is in the best interest of the child and I'm hearing this and I'm like what what does that mean (laughs) how is it in the best interest of the child to wake up my son at two o'clock in the morning and take him to some some place we don't even know where he is yeah yeah and my lawyer's like oh I know where he is he had it on speed dial already Mm-hmm. calls the, the children's shelter, says, you know, my name is so-and-so. I'm representing so-and-so is the, the kid there. You're like, yeah, okay, yeah, he's there. Then he's like, okay, we'll deal with this later. But first, let me tell you, they, what you're facing right now is criminal, okay? You're facing 15 years in jail, $100,000 bail if they decide to charge you. And I'm like, I didn't do this. And he's like, I know. I believe you. I believe you. But that's what you're facing and your children are under two years old and nonverbal, they can be legally adopted by the foster family if the case lasts longer than six months." Like, adopted? What do you, without ever proving that I did this? Like, yeah. So I'm not even gonna fight for you. I'm not gonna go in there and ask the judge to give the kids back to you, because if I do that, they're gonna go, the judge is gonna say no. Social services is gonna say, you know, that you're placing the children in danger.
2: Mm
1: because the mom has a criminal investigation against her and they're gonna to go to foster care. And if it lasts longer than six months, they're gonna be adopted and they will make it last longer than six months. I'm just floored, right? I'm listening to all this. I'm like, what country am I living in? Like, what is going on? And I'm like, so what are you telling me? What, what, what are we gonna do? He's like, your saving grace is that your husband was out of town when this happened. So legally speaking, he wasn't even at the crime scene. So we're going to ask the judge to give sole custody to your husband. That way we don't even risk the children being placed in foster care. And if the judge grants that, they're going to kick you out of the house. So I'm like, at this point, what choice do I have? You know, risk going in there and fighting for my rights, which really don't exist in family court, (laughs) or have my children go to strangers and risk them being adopted and never seeing my children again. So I said, okay, you know, we went three days later, we had what they call the emergency hearing. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking it's going to be at least, you know, like Judge Judy style. You know, the judge is there, one side here, one side here, you speak, you speak, and the judge says something. Uh So I go in there, you know, the nanny's not there, the police officer isn't there, the social worker isn't there. None of the parties that were involved in all of this are there, except for me and my husband. And the lawyers start talking to each other, speaking legalese with each other. And I'm thinking, you know, okay, when's it going to be my turn? When is the judge going to ask me what happened? Never.
0: Nope.
1: Never happened. The judge simply stated to me, Miss Bruno, you have 24 hours to vacate your home. A caseworker will be contacting you regarding visitation. We will see you again for, I forget what the name is called, but for some other hearing in three weeks. And then slam that gavel. And that was it. It was probably 10 to 15 minutes at the most. And I walk out with my mom, of course I'm crying. I'm like, I'm still in shock, not believing that this is actually happening. And I go back to my house, pack up all my stuff. Had a very good neighbor at the time who let me put all my boxes, all my stuff into his house. And my attorney at that time, he's like, you remove everything. Like you can't even leave a toothbrush in your house. They will use everything against you. I don't want to see nothing of yours. Take your shampoo bottles, take everything so that they can't say that you're still coming into the house to do something. Right. So I removed everything, and I was given seven hours a week of visitation with both my sons. I was court ordered to take child abuse classes, parenting classes, and individual counseling. So this went on, and I had nowhere to go. Like, where am I supposed to live? They wouldn't let me live with my mom because my mom was with my son when he was seized. I'm an only child, my whole family's in Brazil. My husband was with the children, I'm like, where the heck am I supposed to go? And my lawyer's like, well, as long as your son is in the hospital, you could sleep in the hospital. It's a monitored facility, so you could stay there. Okay, so I stayed a few nights in the hospital and my mom actually went to our church and asked the pastor to come and pray for me. At this time, he wasn't there, he was in Cambridge, but his Mm -hmm. wife was here and she went to the hospital you know, she saw the state of my son. She prayed for my son. She prayed for me and then looked at me and she said, you know, I've been praying and God told me you're coming home with me. So at that point, I went to go live with the pastor's wife, <laughs> you know, and God just put all these people, these amazing people in my life during this most horrendous time, you know, something I never, ever mm-hmm. could have imagined. And it lasted 40 days and 40 nights. I was kicked out of the house for 40 days and 40 are nights. Are you kidding me? <laughs> wow, wow. And on that 40th day, we had a hearing, and my attorney told me, don't even bother coming. Because you know the status of your investigation mm-hmm. hasn't changed. The criminal investigation is still open, so don't waste your time. I won't waste mine. I tell my husband. My husband's like, I don't care what he's saying. We're gone. So we go to the courthouse. About an hour later, he calls me. Like, where are you? I'm at the courthouse. Like, okay, I'm on my way. Might be able to do something today. hangs up on me like okay again everybody start praying (laughs) so we're waiting for him to show up he shows up i go hug him he pushes me away he's like don't hug me i can't make you any promises like okay so he walks into that courtroom comes out sign this initial this scribble i'm just like back and forth back and forth for about three hours i have no idea what i'm signing i'm just trusting god and my lawyer at that point Then he comes out with a big stack of papers he's like if you're willing to sign this the way it's written today there's nothing in here admitting guilt there's nothing in here saying that you did this it's the timeline of events it's the social workers narrative it's the medical records all that stuff they will let you go home today now at that point if they told me to cut my leg off i would have done it Uh right i just wanted to be home with my sons so i signed it and he even said it he's like i've been doing this for 23 years and I have never seen them let anybody go home before a trial. Zach, like, you definitely have a higher power working for you. And I said, Amen. Yes, I do. So I went home that day, you know, and I was still court ordered to take all the services, what they call services, the child abuse, the parenting, the individual counseling. And a social worker was coming to our house once a month for the next six months. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the six months, it was her recommendation that our case be closed. So in six months, we went to another hearing. Again, never stepped foot in that courtroom, never said a word in that courtroom. Just somebody comes out and says, Bruno family, yeah, case is closed. I'm like, okay, (laughs) that's it. Like, yep, that's it. So it was closed, you know, and during those six months, doing those parenting classes, the child abuse classes, I'm thinking to myself, no, what the heck am I going to do in a child abuse class? I'm thinking I'm going to be in there with a bunch of tattooed people with, uh, you know, (laughs) drug abuse problems, alcohol, domestic violence, you name it. And when I get there, everybody's in the same boat that I am. Nobody had intentionally abused their child. There were bathtub accidents, slip in the bathtub, baby breaks the arm, child abuse. Parking, swinging at the park, child dislocates the leg, child abuse. There was even an older case, the teenage girl, about 15 years old, posting naked pictures of herself on Instagram. And the father took away the phone, the father took away the car, the father grounded her, he did everything he absolutely could mm-hmm. to prevent his daughter from doing this. And one day at his graveyard shift, he's scrolling through his phone and he sees naked pictures of his daughter on, his, on her friend's account. So he comes home that night and he spanks her. He's like, you don't do this.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So she calls her biological father, who was a criminal, and he tells her, you want to get rid of him? Call the police and tell them that he hit you. And that's what she did. And then the stepfather gets arrested. The other four children are taken away and placed in foster care. He spent 10 days in jail. And then here we are in the child abuse class together, jumping through all these loopholes to try to prove our innocence, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, one time is a mistake, two times coincidence, three times. Now you will have a pattern. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm seeing all these stories. I'm like, this is this is weird. But then again, why? Like, why would somebody do this? Like, why would why? <laughs> so, of course, Dr. Google start uh-huh. Googling things, start reading things and going down that rabbit hole. And there's actually a law, a federal law that was implemented by Bill Clinton. Called the Adoptions and Safe Families Act, mm-hmm. which was passed in 1997 and gives the states federal incentives to speed up the adoption process so that children could find their forever homes. Right. You know, I heard that term a lot when I was growing up. You know, these children need a forever home, these mm-hmm, children need mm-hmm. stability, these children, these children, these poor children.
2: Yeah.
1: And, you know, always thought foster care was, you know, the make-a-wish foundation. And that if your children got taken away, you must have done something really bad.
0: You would be you, you would be a horrible person. Yes.
1: Yes. And then here I am. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And you know, these forever homes, and then the money, the state gets anywhere from two thousand to six thousand dollars per child per month that is placed in foster care. Hmm. And my mom, when they seized my son. They let my mom pick him up from the shelter because at the time she's a tra- retired school teacher, public mm-hmm. school teacher. So she was already in the system. She was already fingerprinted.
0: Right. So they
1: released him to her and they asked her before I even had the hearing. They asked my mom if she would be willing to adopt my two sons. My mom's like, no, <laughs> and the social workers said, well, you know, we don't know what the judge is going to order at the hearing. So if the judge orders the removal of the children, will you adopt them?" My mom's like, give them back to their mom to whom they belong. And the social worker, well, we don't know. We don't know. This is how we help the families. You would get $670 a month per child. They would be eligible for food stamps, for WIC, for Medicaid, you know, all the social welfare programs we have here in California.
2: Right.
1: And my mom's like, I don't want your money. And the social work well this is how we help you this is what you qualify for and my mom's like what happens if i don't sign this or if i don't adopt them then she's like well they're they're going to go to foster care so my mom hesitantly signed the documents
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and she did you know here you go and she's like can i save the checks for the lawyers (laughs) and the social worker said i'll pretend i didn't hear that (laughs) so but she did and you know then at the hearing they were given to their father so thankfully my mom never had to adopt my kids Mm -hmm. but You know, just goes to show you, there is there was no investigation. There was no due process. They spoke to the nanny once, after they had already seized my children. And she said the baby was perfectly fine when she left. And they believed her, and that was it.
0: So So, did they, did anything, was there there ever any follow-up with the nanny whatsoever?
1: Just that one time. Really? That one time, the day after. Yeah, they went to go talk to her, and she told her her side of the story. And she did take a polygraph hmm. that night. It came back inconclusive. They asked her to take it again and she refused to take it again, which is her right.
2: Brave.
1: But you know, they didn't afford me the same privilege. <laughs> <laughs> and I did get a private investigator, you know, to see if we could find anything on the nanny mm-hmm. and no red flags, except that she was married to a cop at the time. You know, she didn't tell me which I wouldn't have thought anything of anyway.
0: No, that would not have been a red flag. Right. But
1: yeah. But my investigator, he told me, he's like, yeah, she's they're not going to go She's untouchable. Yeah. So it was very disappointing, you know, to see this. But it did open my eyes to a lot of things and to be a voice for these parents. You know, I like I never would have believed it had it not happened to me. Right. And I think a lot of people feel that way and think, you know, you must have done something if you got your kid taken away, you must have done mm-hmm. something. And people don't realize that there is no due process. Your criminals have more rights than parents in family court. Yeah. You know, if you go to a legitimate federal court, proof beyond a reasonable doubt, you know, you have the jury, you have present your evidence, both sides get questioned. All that good stuff that we see on TV or you know, what we usually think of when we think of court. Family court has none of that. You basically are guilty until proven innocent. You have to prove your innocence. So, you know, even after I went home, I was happy, of course, the case was closed. I could have gone on with my life. But I just could not forget what I knew, right? What I saw. And all these parents fighting for their children, what the children were going for, just my my children, just within that little short span of mm-hmm. 40 days, my son was not the same boy that I knew, right? I mean, he rejected me for probably about a year after this whole process. Wow. You know, and he kept saying, I don't want you, mommy. You know, he would scream and cry every time we had to leave my mom's house. You know, she's the one who picked him up from the shelter. So, you know, she was the one who rescued him and I abandoned him. And I mean, I had, I was building a wall against my two-year-old son because, you know, the words hurt and I'm praying about him. My God, I can't build a wall against my son. You know, I know he's the victim here. I'm a victim too, <laughs> but you know, you're the adult in this situation. Right. So put your big girl pants on. And I sat down with my son and I asked him, I'm like, do you remember when your aunties had to come take care of you? And these were my cousins who came from Brazil to help my husband mm-hmm. out so that he could work and they would take care of the kids.
2: Right.
1: And first words out of his mouth are, why did you leave? So at this point I knew that he knew that he remembered. Mm-hmm. So I sat down with him. I showed him all the pictures of his brother in the hospital. I'm like, look, this is what happened to your brother. And they thought that mommy did this. And he immediately, you know, French his eyes, like you never hurt never us, mommy. Like, I know, I know. But they thought they were doing their job. You know, again, I'm trying to see how do I communicate this to a three-year-old at that point without mm-hmm. creating, you know, rebellion against authority, hate <laughs> doctors, hate police officers, hate everybody. <laughs> So explaining to him, you know, every profession there's going to be some bad apples. You know, they just made some really bad choices, but we're not going to let them get away with it. Okay, we're going to fight them. Mm. He looks at me. He's like, "You're going to hit them, mommy." I'm like, "Yeah, we're (laughs) going to hit them with a stack of papers." That's what we're going to
2: do. Yes, yes.
1: So I contacted a civil rights attorney. Mm -hmm. His name is Sean McMillan here in California, and this is basically all he does is sue CPS. So about four months of calling him, I finally got a hold of him. He looked over our case. He's like, yeah, you definitely have a case. It was a warrantless seizure. They did not have a warrant to take my son when they showed up at my mom's house Mm -hmm. at two o'clock in the morning. And through the discovery process, when we're getting access to all the documents, we found out they gave my son 13 vaccinations without consent and without a court order. Mm. They forced my son through a full skeletal survey without consent. They gave him an anal wink test which is for sexual abuse when there were no allegations of sexual abuse so we're just seeing all this stuff going on like they were just looking for anything that they could pin on myself or my husband you know they kept asking if i had postpartum depression kept asking if it was possible that i had a seizure and i did this you know just different things like that coming up Mm -hmm. but we filed the lawsuit so it was a violation of fourth amendment and 14th amendment rights got to depose the detectives, the social worker, the supervisor. We also got text messages, access to all their text messages that night. And interestingly enough, the social worker that interviewed me at the hospital, we got a text message exchange between her and her supervisor before she even arrived at the hospital. Okay. So she's texting her supervisor saying, I'm on my way to the hospital. There's an infant with a cranial fracture, has a sibling uh per mom the baby was with the nanny Mm -hmm. and the supervisor texts her back she says omg do you think it was the nanny and then the social worker tests back no think mom Hmm. before they ever got to the hospital yeah Yeah. why yeah (laughs) why would
0: it be you rather than the nanny
1: Right and i mean you know the cynical me that knows the the system now thinks that if they didn't accuse me then there wouldn't be any custody issue or social services wouldn't be involved period it would have Mm -hmm. been strictly a criminal investigation and they Mm -hmm. would have had to go after the nanny so they wouldn't have gotten the funding they wouldn't have gotten anything out of the two children
0: yeah and it's that kind of thing of thing that I mean, I'll tell you, Rachel. I am. In, I'm, I'm sorry, everybody. I, I know there's some echoing going on. Um, I'm not sure why it wasn't going on before we went live. <laughs> so I don't, I'm not sure what the what the story is there. Um, but uh, I am not naturally a consp- I'm not naturally a conspiratorially minded person at all. And then, you know, every now and then you hear something that makes you go, hmm. Yeah. And then Epstein didn't kill himself.
2: Right. and
0: uh, it's now it's kind of like off to the races you know yeah. uh, and like I said your story uh, reminded me of uh, uh, of medical kid- kidnapping instances Michelle Malkin had done an expose on that two or three years ago mm-hmm. and it's, interestingly the, the thing behind that was another law passed by Bill Clinton oddly enough when you mentioned that in another interview that's what made me think yeah. of it and I was like Oh, my gosh. It, it, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's something like, you know, basically yeah. you can basically you can use people's medical guinea pigs is what it boiled down to. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's does, it starts to make a guy wonder. It's like, yeah, it's in your case, obviously. Yeah. It, whether it was fully conscious or not, somewhere in the right. back of their minds. Right. They're thinking money for the system.
1: Right. And in the depositions you know, they they admit that there was no exigent circumstances, which is one of the only exceptions to removing a child without a warrant Mm. is if there's exigent circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. It's a life or death situation. The kid is going to die right there that night if you don't remove them. And she admits that my son had no signs of abuse. She admits that she should have gotten a warrant and that she knew how to get a warrant and, And we're just, I mean, I'm sitting there listening to them, and I'm like, what is wrong with you people? (laughs) Like, you knew all this, and you still did it? You know, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of all the other families that are going through this, who Mm -hmm. don't have the financial means to fight Mm -hmm. back, who did not have the financial means to get a private attorney like I did, Mm -hmm. even in dependency court. You know, if you go with the public defender, unfortunately, the public defender works for the system as well. Right. Right. And they're they're like co-workers, right? They don't want to upset the judge. They don't want to upset the other counsels. They they work together.
0: Right. Yeah. Their bosses know their no the right. other people's bosses. And
1: yeah, and just I mean, it's call one away. of the things that I tell people. I'm like, you know, please sell your car, mortgage your house, beg your family, whatever you need to do to get a private attorney. If you ever find yourself in the situation, please mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Yeah. Because even in that child abuse class, there was an 18 year old, an 18 year old kid who had a a child had a baby and he slipped in the bathtub while he was picking the baby up Mm -hmm. dropped the baby the baby hit their arm on the side of the bathtub and baby was screaming and crying and he went to the emergency room he told them you know this is what happened i i I dropped the baby Mm -hmm. but because it was fractured in more than one place there were two fractures they said it was child abuse so they removed the child the baby from him he's 18 years old no money no real family support at that point, Mm -hmm. gets a public defender, public defender tells him basically the same thing my lawyer told me, you know, you're facing 15 years in jail, hundred thousand dollar bail. So why don't we just go into the judge, tell the judge, you're sorry, you know, that it's not going to happen again and we'll do two years instead of 15. And that's what he did. So 18 year old goes to jail. Now he's 20. He's in the child abuse class with us trying to get his child back he can't find a job because he now has a criminal record mm-hmm. and of course social services is using that against him how are you going to support a child?
2: yeah
1: and I mean it just creates it destroys people's lives I mean it really destroys people's lives the parents lives and the child's life you know this poor kid is being used as a pawn basically for for mm-hmm. funding for the state and I mean like I said my son was rejecting me for a year. He doesn't understand, I mean, I can't imagine a kid who gets taken away from their family and never gets to see their parent again, or only sees them at the visitation center, or gets moved around from house to house to house until they find somebody who's willing to adopt them.
2: Yeah.
1: And then people question why these kids end up you know, in human trafficking. I think even Secretary Pompeo said that 67% of human trafficking victims come out of foster care. And I'm like, well, yeah, you guys you know, rip their lives rip them apart who are they going to trust yeah right you can't trust your parents they've been lied to their 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 whole life about what their parents did most likely
0: right. yeah
1: you know and it's not to say that there aren't some parents that do need to have their child
0: removed well yeah like we were talking about before the show i mean
1: right the, yeah you, I mean, you, definitely you hear those they're... other
0: stories where you've got meth heads who yep. are ob- or obvious abusers Right. And for some reason, they, they never get their kids taken away. And right. know, what on earth? What yeah. what backwards crap crap out world do we live in? Where
2: yep.
0: you know what happened yeah. to you happens to you and other people like you, and then yeah. actual horrible people who are the stereotypes you were expecting to meet in the child abuse, right. party, <laughs> you know, they, they they get to keep their
1: kids until the, their kids die. Yeah. And, you know, like I told you, I mean, the only thing I can come up with is that, unfortunately, the children who are really abused by Mm -hmm. their parents most likely have behavior issues. Mm -hmm. You know, they're usually older, maybe six, seven, eight years old, when they usually can't speak up to a teacher or any other professional that they're mandated to report the abuse. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But usually, you know, people want to adopt babies, right? Mm -hmm. Babies that they can raise themselves. People usually don't want a problem child that will disrupt their own families most of the time, you know, definitely will. Yeah. So, you know, they're not placeable. That's the, the language they use, that they're not placeable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I even have a friend that I met in the child abuse class. Her children were t- taken away. They were separated into different families. The oldest one was a problem child. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he drove the families crazy. Drove the families crazy. And he eventually ended up in a group home because nobody wanted to adopt him. They had him on all sorts of meds, psychotropic Mm -hmm. meds,
2: right?
1: You know, the social worker diagnoses him with ADD and with, you know, whatever kind of diseases the social worker says he has. Yeah. The social worker. Then the doctors that work for the county will prescribe Mm -hmm. all the medication. So, I mean, it's crazy. It's so crazy. But just to end, you know, my side, you know, once we did start the lawsuit and all this stuff did start coming out, and you know, they admitted that they did what they did. I have it all on video. I have 36 hours worth of depositions with them admitting it, and we finally decided to settle in December of 2018. We settled for 1.49, 1.49 million dollars, mm-hmm. and you know, people will always say, you know, it was about the money and i mean there's no amount of money that could ever repay me no what they did
0: no considering so, the circumstances 1.49 is trump change
1: yeah and unfortunately it's the only way we can hold them accountable is mm. their pocketbook yep you know had i had real justice you know i wish they would have all been in jail that's what that's just, what i wanted
0: real justice in this situation involves a baseball yeah. bat i'm sorry
1: <laughs> yeah and i mean you know even to to settle i did not want to settle you know, I'm like, we had the the court, we had the trial scheduled for June 9th, 2019. And I told my lawyer, I'm like, I don't care if I win $1 in this in this trial. I just mm-hmm. want these people to be held accountable. And my lawyer's like, you know, I understand. Mm-hmm. You're, I'm not saying your case doesn't have merit, definitely merit. And I don't think you're going to lose. But juries are a toss up. You know, people yep. are finicky. They're fickle. Yeah. Right. You you never know, like you can remind them of a teacher they hated in third grade. Who knows that <laughs> just from that point on, not like you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So and, you know, we don't know how much they're going to award you. It could be one hundred thousand. It could be ten million. We don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. And even if you do win, the other side is going to appeal. They're going to appeal their decision. Then we're back to square one.
0: It just keeps going
1: and then you're going to keep going for another five years. Mm -hmm. So he's like, you know, as your counsel, I tell you, you know, take this money and run so that you can flip this chapter, start a new phase in your life Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and, you know, go on. So I, I did it. I listened to him. We took the money, but I mean, I I slept for like three days after that, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, I felt like a sellout. I felt like, you know, this is not justice. This is not what I wanted, Mm -hmm. but just, You know, had to feel the pain, had to grieve that that's that's just the way it is. That's what's going to be and take this money, you know, paid off all our bills because we did owe a lot of money throughout all this process. You You know, my husband and I, when this started, owned our own business Mm -hmm. and we had to end up closing our business because my husband had to take care of the two kids by himself at home and had to find another job. And we were paying lawyers. We were paying, you know, child abuse, parenting, individual counseling, the medical bills, I mean, everything, you name it. So this money gave us the ability to pay everything off, give us a clean slate financially to start again. And you know, as crazy as it sounds, we are very blessed. You know we are one of the lucky ones yeah. that yeah. did win the lawsuit, that did get our children back because I know far too many who don't.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they are no worse than me. I'm no better than any of them. You know, I'm a parent. There is no such thing as a perfect parent. And people just need to, you know, have empathy for people. Don't judge people, you know, if the kids are being noisy in the back in the backyard, don't call CPS. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like go knock on the door and you know ask, can you please be oh, quiet? Or, you know, help the mom out if the mom is a single mother and she's going crazy with all these kids.
0: <laughs> if yeah, if they're crying out loud, if they if yeah. the neighbors yeah. called somebody every time my yeah. kids are loud. Yeah. <laughs> I probably won't have kids anymore. I mean, for one, I have like six kids, so it's 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 loud, it's loud a lot loud over here. Yeah, it just it's, is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then again, like the money. You know, they offered my mom six hundred seventy dollars to adopt my son. Yeah. Why not offer that six hundred seventy dollars to a parent who is really in need of help?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Like a lot of the cases. Gosh, like sixty-eight percent of the cases are neglect.
0: Mm.
1: Neglect can look a lot like poverty
0: yeah right yeah, so you know
1: true. you have holes in your shoes you're not well bathed or you're not well fed or whatever so why not take that money and actually help a parent as opposed to ripping a family apart and giving the money to strangers to raise the kid yeah so it doesn't exactly. make sense
0: <laughs> no no it does not and you know what that that kind of thing like that's like oh my gosh you left the house in that
2: yeah what right <laughs> i
0: I've, I've got a good paying day day job uh yeah. But at the same time you got six kids. You know what? Sometimes they put on stuff and you're just like why? <laughs> hey,
1: yeah. I don't,
0: I don't have any clothes that fit. How do you not have clothes that fit? <laughs>
1: yeah. Right? No, exactly. Sometimes you see in the grocery store the kid is in a pajama with mis- mismatched socks or whatever. I'm like, you know, if you've had a toddler and the toddler will not put the blue shirt on. They don't yeah. want the blue shirt. They want to go with their pajamas, right? Oh, we, so you're we like, gave, fine, we gave
0: up matching pajamas. socks 15 <laughs> <Yes>. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not a thing anymore.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we don't care. Uh, <laughs> oh. take
0: your battles. But yeah, exactly in in your in your whole story there is so many different things to unpack. So many different yeah. ways to, ways to go with it here. And Oh my I, I honestly I don't even know where to start uh, I think one thing to definitely take from it is uh, to do what you did.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: call on whoever you can to help right and for crying out loud fight yes I mean yeah. you mentioned the poor kid who uh, who took his lawyer's advice right and did the plea deal yeah not a not a I understand why it seems appealing at the time yeah, not a good plan
1: right. Not a good plan but at the same time you know family court is it's very
0: immediate. difficult
1: to fight in family court mm-hmm. because they are vengeful you know they will retaliate against you if you try to say you're not going to do something that they want you to do yeah. so i mean my attorney at the time he told me you know you do whatever the heck they tell you to do and you shut up you don't talk about anything about the case
2: mm-hmm. he pled the yeah. fifth
1: for me so that mm-hmm. you don't talk about the case yeah. and they, you know, they they act so friendly when they come to your house, when they come talk to you, mm-hmm. you know, and I would tell my lawyer, yeah, she asked me about this. She asked me how my seizures are doing. She asked me about the postpartum and my lawyer he's like, you do not talk to these people. Okay. You do not answer these questions. They cannot talk about the case. Like nobody here is your friend. Yeah. Like the only friend you have here is me. And that's only because you paid me. <laughs> that's what he told me.
0: <laughs> you know, you got to appreciate an honest lawyer. He's mercenary, but at least he's honest about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the social worker who would go to my husband when my husband was alone with the kids and I was uh-huh. kicked out of the house, you know, they would go three times a week to my house to go talk to my husband. And my husband would ask, you know, can my wife, you know, we're paying a lot for the these classes, for the individual counseling, for the parenting classes, for the child abuse classes. Is there any way we can, you know, maybe not. Take these anymore since you know she is allowed to go home and things like that and the social worker would tell my husband oh yeah you know tell your wife to file this petition or to ask the judge for this motion or whatever and he'll do it so my husband and i when we could meet once the children were sleeping and then we could meet at night he would tell me he's like no the social worker told you that you could do this and you know not have to take these classes anymore i'm like okay so i'd go tell my lawyer and then my lawyer do not listen to these people like you do not file this thing no 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 no. you keep going to all these classes if you file this petition the judge is going to say that you're not taking the thing seriously that you're putting your kids at risk you do not listen to these people and then i'd go tell my husband and my husband's like but but she said this is true like, but it's not true no so it would put me and my husband against each other
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they do that all the time i don't no, know really. how many marriages were ruined through oh, this God. process well
0: you know that gets right into like i would say the second most important angle to take on this and that's like well your lawyer said they're not your friends right they're not here to help you right it. If if somebody comes to the store and says i'm from the government i'm here to help i th- close that door right. they are not here to help you it doesn't matter how friendly they seem yep and just from your whole story um and you hear things like this from time to time they rely on fear. They rely on ignorance. They rely on uncertainty in the situation yes. because all of a sudden you've got a social worker, a stern faced social worker with two or three armed cops standing yes. behind him or her. Yes. And they're, and they're saying, you need to give me your kid
1: yeah.
0: out of the blue left field. Yes. Most people are not going to have the wherewithal to say, right. Where's your warrant?
1: Exactly. Yep.
0: You know, most people aren't going to or yeah. they're going to say, uh, ma'am, it's a child endangerment issue. I don't need a warrant. Right. They might be flat out lying to you. Right. But unless you've been unless you've studied law, specifically that section of the law. Right. You're not going to know that.
1: Yeah. No, <laughs> absolutely. That's what I tell people again. No, no warrant, no entry. Right. Yep. And they will use all the psychological tricks, like you're saying, to get you mm-hmm. to do it. And you do not have to let them in your house. OK, oh, yeah. do not let them in your house.
0: Yeah, I, I got to think. psychological kindly, trick. Yeah,
1: right. That I'm not letting you in my house. You mm-hmm. can come with a warrant when you have a warrant and, you know, close the door and that's it.
0: Yeah. And stick, now, stick it's
1: not to with say that. That they're not going to go get a warrant. They probably will. Right. OK, but at least it gives you at least 24 hours to figure out what the heck you're going to do. In mm-hmm. those 24 hours, you get a lawyer. You yep. get your kids with somebody who you trust and who's safe with and get them out of the house.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, just make their job a little bit harder <laughs> or a lot harder than what they're usually used to. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that, if for crying out loud, at least make them work for it.
1: Right. And, <laughs> and
0: yeah, you know, we, we've all seen the movies. I'm sure as soon as you say you're going to need a warrant, they'll say, well, you know, I can call and get one within an hour. Right. Well, fine, we'll do that, and I'll yeah. see you in an hour.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. you
0: know, you know, stick You know, stick with it.
2: Yeah, yeah and
0: at least me let them know it's going to be difficult
2: yeah
0: it's yeah. like it's like any treat them like any bully
1: yeah
0: <laughs> you know stand up to them and a lot of times a bully yeah. backs down
1: yeah
0: a lot not always yeah they'll probably keep they'll they, they'll probably uh it'll be a little bit of a you know shoving match for a bit yeah but
1: yeah i mean it's you know, terrifying it's it. really scary
0: yeah Oh, I, I can't. I can't imagine. Like I said, I've got, I, I've got a number of kids. I can't imagine this happening to any of them. Yeah. And it, like I said, it's it's utterly, it's utterly terrifying yeah. to imagine that. Especially, and I, I won't go too far down this rabbit rabbit trail, but given the environment we're in, if you don't think that CPS is going to wind up getting used against certain people yeah. in certain places you are not paying anything close to attention yeah i mean what we were talking before we went live there's already been kids that have been taken away because their parents tested positive for covid
2: yeah
0: you know over in california i think i've seen that one or two other places as well where it's just it's like really Mm
1: -hmm. really yeah (laughs) yeah and i mean you know like my lawyers say they don't follow constitutional law i'm Mm -hmm. like what the heck does that mean what other law is there right in the country. The constitution is supposed to be the law of the land. (laughs) One
0: would think so, one would think so, but alas,
1: But each state, in order to qualify for the Mm. Clinton's law to get Mm -hmm. the federal funding, they had to come up with a separate set of rules so that they could qualify for the funding. So here in California, it's called the Welfare Institutions Code, WIC. And Mm. WIC 300 is where they have all the child welfare stuff that they must follow. But if they don't have a separate code, then they can't get the federal funding. So it's very, very weird. It's <laughs> <to> nasty. <laughs> to say the it's convoluted.
0: It's intentionally obscure. Yeah, yeah. And virtually impenetrable to normal people. Fortunately, again, you had an intelligent lawyer who's been through this process before, yeah. Yeah. who knew how to play the game. You know, like, like that like that bit with your husband. Mm-hmm. You know, he was out of town so therefore there's this little loophole that mm-hmm. we'll let him have custody it's like awesome great
2: right yeah. you know,
0: <laughs> not, not 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 perfectly ideal but a heck of a lot better than any number of alternatives yeah and you know again pray, praise god the judge went for it yeah no um, and when
1: we were at the hearing the mm-hmm. social workers objected or social workers council oh, sure objected mm-hmm. and my uh, attorney or the judge is like why and the council's like well the social worker never got to speak to the father so we don't know whether he's a fit father or not and at the hospital Mm -hmm. the police officer that was talking to my husband explicitly told social services to not speak to my husband because it was a criminal investigation so it wasn't they weren't allowed to speak to him
2: huh
1: so it was interesting you know when by the grace of god the judge overruled Mm -hmm. you know and he said now the children will will go to their father
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So but it's I've never been through something like that. I mean, that was crazy. You know, it was surreal living that and not knowing, you know, I'm thinking of facing jail. And I'm like, but I didn't do this. And at the same time, you know, God really did give me peace through all of it, as I was going through it, Mm -hmm. drew me closer to God. You know, I remember at nighttime, of course, you can't sleep, thinking about what's going on, where's your son, my other son, who spent 12 days in the hospital?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, finally did go home, and he did, of course, survive the 48 hours. Mm-hmm. But you know, how? What is my son gonna? What's gonna happen, right, with my with my baby? Yeah. And you know, praying at night, reading those little books in the Bible that don't get much attention because they're small. You know, James, Peter, first, second, third John. You know, these little books right. that I could read at night.
2: Yeah.
1: And I remember reading them. You know, draw close to me. Draw close to God, he'll draw close to you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And remember reading Job, you know, and thinking, oh my gosh. Relevant. <laughs> <Job>. <laughs> very relevant. <laughs> very relevant. And even somebody, when I was going through that, somebody very close to me told me that I should repent. Right, that what was going on, wow. you know.
0: Did they just yeah. read Job too and take completely the wrong message from it?
1: <laughs> but I'm just like, okay. You know, I, I prayed, I'm like, okay, God, who sinned? Was it my husband? Was it my parents? Like, what? Why am I going through this? And, you know, the only reason I mention it is because that was a turning point, you know, at that night when I prayed about it. And Holy Spirit revealed to me, he's like, you know, nothing. No one has sinned. You know, nothing. This is just the evil world we live in. Mm -hmm. And this is about the destruction of the family. Yeah this whole system everything you're witnessing right now is about the destruction of the family mm-hmm. which is what the devil has been trying to do from day one
0: which you know honestly that uh, th- that was what I was one of the things I was thinking mm-hmm. when I was again listening to another interview that you had done is like mm-hmm. this whole thing it's like the goal is specifically to target normal people right. with normal families <laughs> and yet, at the same time protect the ones mm-hmm. who really do have issues who really right. do frankly not deserve their kids right and it's like it's completely backwards it's designed again that, like you had clearly yeah. pointed out to you yeah. it is about the destruction of the family and yeah. and here we are and it's uh yeah. it's terrifying and I, i'm glad uh, i i'm glad it wasn't like this you know uh, Thirty, you know, 30, 35 years ago, when I was growing up, yeah. Because uh, my my parents always joked that they were on like a first-name basis with the ER doctors.
2: Yeah. <laughs> because
0: not for me. My little brother, my little brother, he was, and he was an energetic young lad. Right. And he was he he was that kid that would you know be like, I could probably jump off that and be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, kids and are kids, right? Sometimes like, sometimes he would be. Not happen anymore.
0: Yeah, exactly. Sometimes <laughs> he would be fine. Some every now and then, yeah. not yeah. so much. Something <laughs> breaks, and I'm off to the R again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, well, you know, what are you gonna do? You know, these yeah. days, these days because my parents were normal people with jobs yeah. and yeah. you know, two kids and a house and all of that jazz.
1: Yeah. 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 Who knows? It's <laughs> crazy. I mean, so many different things and so many other cases. I don't know, James James Young, I think they were in Texas where, you know, this gets into some other stuff, but the mother wanted the child to transition.
0: Oh, that story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And that, you know, they were pinpointing the father for not wanting to do that and claiming yeah. that the father is the one who was abusive yeah. and wanting to give custody to the mother. hmm and I'm like, this world is crazy. <laughs>
0: and that, that poor guy and a tech yeah. system less.
1: Yeah. 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 So the world, just completely upside down. You know, what's left is right. What's up is down. What's black is white. I mean, every, you name it. I mean, it's really crazy world right now. Mm-hmm. And You know, us normal people, as you say, <laughs> you know, need to educate ourselves about mm-hmm. what is out there, you know, and that there are ulterior motives and a lot of these government programs that we're not aware of. Mm -hmm. And again, before you call CPS on your neighbor, on your ex, on anybody, you know, please reach out first to them. Amen. Reach out to a church, reach out to a nonprofit organization. You know, if they need rehab, if they need whatever, you know, reach out to anyone
2: Mm -hmm.
1: except CPS. Unless, like they say, it's an existential circumstance where the kid is going to die. You know, and even then, it's still still risky. You know that this child is going to be placed in another abusive situation, which also tends to happen in foster care.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Rather famous for that, really.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, chances are they're never going to see their parent again, which is really heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the saddest parts of this, that I know somebody who was in that child abuse class with me. Mm -hmm. And she had the same attorney I did, the same judge I did, the same hospital I did, the same caseworker I did. And her parental rights were terminated in October of 2017 because her son at the time was 18 months old at the time. He broke tibia oh, and fibia, wow. And they removed him. She got pregnant. No, not wise, of course, but she got pregnant while the case was open. Uh-huh. And they took the baby from the delivery room. And gave him to another family. I would have lost my mind. I know. I know. And I mean, I'm in the child abuse class with her and I'm listening to this and I'm like, this is insanity. This is crazy. And I mean, to this day, I'm still friends with her. You know, she is one of my good friends. We did become friends through this. And I told her, you know, nothing happens without a reason or without a purpose. You know, God made us cross paths for for something. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: I remember her crying and me telling her, you know, not many people are going to be able to look you in the eye and tell you, I know what you're going through.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: you know and that i believe you so i mean yeah i mean she lost the four kids that she had her husband lost the two kids that he had they told them to get divorced that the husband was not going to get his children back unless he divorced her and he refused he said i'm not we're not getting a divorce and the kids are that's it i mean you lost six kids six kids um And the adoptive mom who has them, you know, even if they adopt the child, they still get paid by the state. Even if you're legally the child's parent, you still get money from the state to raise that child until Mm. they're 18 or 22. I forget which age it is now because they changed the law so many times, but they keep getting money and the adoptive mom, the husband, quit his job because they were receiving around $3,000 a month to take care of the, the four children. Yeah. And meanwhile, this poor woman who didn't do anything ran out of money, right? Couldn't afford to be paying the attorney anymore. And once they go to TPR that's termination of parental rights, that that's it. I mean, you have to appeal it and you know, God help you literally Mm -hmm. God help you. If you go through that appeals process while in family court. So, you know, the only hope is that once they're 18, they can, you know, leave their adoptive family and go back home. Wow. A lot of them do, do decide to go back home. But in the meantime, I mean, this woman placed a restraining order against the biological mother so that she couldn't even see them at school, you know, couldn't come near them. She blocks all the Internet access, blocks Facebook, you know, you know anything that she could have communication with her children, the woman would block. So I'm like, how I'm... is that in the best interest of a child? I Dude. that's. <laughs> there is
0: no way <coughs> that I would be able to deal with that. Yeah, I mean, I there, that. there just, there just isn't. Yep, it's and terrible. yeah, um, it's terrible. But put it this way, I mean, somebody comes for my kids. Yeah, it's it, it, it's not, it, it it would be it would be bad. Let's yeah, just, yeah. Anyway, yeah.
1: Um, no, the, People say they want to replace the police with social workers?
0: Yeah, I don't think so.
1: I'm like, are you crazy? Like <laughs> you really don't know what you're asking for.
0: <laughs> well, at least they won't show up with armed support theoretically.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Although realistically it just means they're gonna have armed they're just going to have armed social workers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's
0: yeah. what that's really gonna mean. Yeah. I
1: mean. The social workers, you know, diagnosing you on the spot. Yeah. Because that's what they do right now.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, yeah. uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Anyway, um, the, I think the most important angle on this, though, is, frankly, the spiritual angle. Yeah. Because, I mean, 40 days and 40 nights, yeah, that's there, there's, that's not a coincidence. Yeah. There's <laughs> no way that's a coincidence. I mean, for one, that's one hell of a Lent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, and just that you got that Particular, you know, message from the Holy Spirit that this is what's yeah. going on here. Yep. It's is it's not, you know, the fact that it's not your fault. That this is just, it's mm-hmm. part of what's been going on
2: mm-hmm.
0: for a very long time. You're just yep. kind of caught up in it. Yeah. And that it did event. And that it did. Mm-hmm. And for forty days, forty nights, you're able to go home, be reunite with right. the family, and mm-hmm. you know, thank you know, thank God it was only that long, right. because you yeah. know who knows how much more damage it would have done yep. uh, you know to to your boys had yeah. it gone longer how yeah. long how much longer it would have taken to reconnect yeah and uh, just the the fact that you did have that help that was needed yeah. that it, you did eventually you, know, you settled the civil suit but
2: yeah.
0: you you were able to help you were able to hold them accountable to some degree
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you know thank God and now again you have the the courage to come out And share the story and, um, you know, warn other people that it's like, we are not here to help. There are ways to fight them.
1: them.
0: Yeah, thank goodness. I mean, the
1: the innocent parents. I mean, I know the stigma, right, and the shame. And that people will automatically think that you did something. Right. Right? And, I mean, I'm blessed that I didn't. You know, I had a church family who really Mm -hmm. supported me throughout this. You know, my husband, of course, never turned his back on me. I mean, people knew me and they were, I was surrounded, thank God. I was surrounded mm-hmm. by people who loved me, who prayed for me, and who were with me 100%. But I know so many who don't have that. You no, know, and if you no. don't have that, I mean, you, God is your only hope when you're in that situation. Yeah. You know, because they took my kids from me, they took my husband from me, they took my house from me. You know, that's what happens to a lot of people out there. So, you know, I just want them to know I pray for you every night. My family prays for you. You know, I want to start a nonprofit. Eventually I will start a nonprofit. I want it to be, you know, one stop shop where I can offer legal advice, where I can offer, you know, the services that they offer us in order to get your children back, where mm-hmm. I can even have housing because so many get taken away because the parents don't have adequate housing. So have a housing facility, have a monitored facility so that they don't get to take the children away because they're not monitored.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: there's so many loopholes, so many things that they use against you.
2: Right.
1: And you know, these parents need help. They really need help. And I wish I could gather the community, the Christian community. You know, I think we've been brainwashed. We've been lied to when it comes to foster care, when it comes yeah. to what's going on behind the scenes, you know, mm-hmm. they tell you, you're the hero, you're helping mm-hmm. this child out yep. and they lie. You know, can you imagine a case like mine?
2: Yeah.
1: What a potential social worker would tell a potential foster family that oh. this innocent baby, the seven-week-old baby,
0: mm-hmm.
1: had a cranial fracture while in the care of his mother. Yep. You know, will you please help this baby and his brother?
0: Well, you know, right there. The, even those words right there. There actually isn't a single lie in those right. words.
2: <laughs> right.
0: Which is exactly how the devil lies. The devil lies yeah. by telling the truth. Yeah, Just telling you exactly the right yeah. truths in exactly the right way right. to lead you to exactly the wrong conclusion. Right. And, you know, and again, you point out it's, it's really important to activate,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: you know, fellow Christians on this because too often we have an inherent trust right. of the government. Yeah. So long as the government isn't explicitly anti Christian, we yeah. tend to trust it. Right. And, um, and again i don't want to go too too far down a, a, a down a rabbit trail here but it should be clear it should be becoming increasingly clear to many of us that yeah. one they are explicitly anti-christian and two government can if you want to argue okay government is has authority that only and authority only comes from god therefore government is ordained by god sure yeah. <laughs> if you don't think government can lose God's endorsement. Yeah. You are very, 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 very wrong. Yes. It most certainly can. Yes. And a case like yours mm-hmm. is a clear indication that uh, all is not right. Government yeah. is a tool. It can be used in numerous ways by numerous people, by numerous forces for good or for ill. Mm-hmm. And in a case like yours, it ain't God that's wielding that tool. All right.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, um, oh, I, actually, uh, I almost forgot you have a book that was supposed to be coming out soon, but 2020 is kind of, you know, yeah. <laughs> thrown a monkey wrench or two or, or a hand grenade into the works. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, is, I, I, I assuming it's about your experience and everything.
1: Right. Yeah. It's still in the works. You know, like I said, I had to homeschool, you know, everything went out the window once I had both kids at home. Yeah. <laughs> but it will be working, you know, and I always tell people, and I've done this interview, I've told this story a gazillion times, Mm -hmm. you know, if you wanna just listen to the story, you'll find me all over the internet, but in the book, you will hear my heart, right? That's really what what the book is about, is about the, like I said, the spiritual component, the spiritual experience that I had Mm -hmm. while going through this, you know, about marriage, about motherhood, about a lot of different things, you know, motherhood specifically, because, you know, I have an MBA, I went to grad school, I started my business, I got married, you know, waited a long time to have kids. I did everything right, you know, mm-hmm. according to to the cool. world. Yeah. And, you know, I was a successful woman. Right. And, you know, then I have kids and I'm like, okay, now here I am wiping butts and sucking snot all day. You know, like really? That's about wrong. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I did have those conflicts.
2: Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And
1: while I was growing up in motherhood. Mhm. And then literally all hell broke loose. (laughs) Right. And everything was taken away from me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I did not give a rat's butt about my MBA, about my business, about, you know, being successful, about money, about any of that. All I wanted was my family.
0: Amen. So yes. (laughs) So right, um, to close this out, what would what would your be advice? Somebody finds themselves in this situation, what are like the top things they should do right away?
1: Well, first thing we talked about, no, no warrant, no entry. So if they ever come knocking on your door, they will pressure you, but do not let them in your house. Do not let them talk to your children, as innocent as it may sound. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I always thought I have nothing to hide, so go ahead. And, no, you know, the Fifth Mm -hmm. Amendment exists for a reason. Right. Right? Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. Even Mm -hmm. though they don't tell you that, that is true. That is what's going to happen. They mean it. Yeah. Yeah, they mean it. So, you know, don't let them in. Mm Mm-hmm. When they do get a warrant or if they do decide to come back, you know, definitely get a private attorney, someone who's experienced in dependency law. Mm-hmm. It's different okay. from family law, okay. right? Family law is like divorce and custody and those things. Dependency is specifically juvenile juvenile cases that mm-hmm. deals with CPS. Okay. So definitely find an experienced attorney in that area. And I mean, pay them. Okay, I know like I said, mortgage your house, sell your car, do whatever you have to do. They have your children's lives in their hands,
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay? and again i know we're angry i know our in- instinct is to fight mm-hmm. but this is not about you at this point right when you're in family court this is about your children
2: yep.
1: so just think bigger picture you do whatever the heck these people tell you to do
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know if they want you to do a random blood test or a random drug test even though you do no drugs do the do the freaking drug test right, right? don't right. argue about it pick your battles definitely don't fight with the social workers <laughs> You know, because whatever they say is what the judge believes,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? So and keep your mouth shut. Like they say, you know, answer their question. Yes, no, and nothing more.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what else? Do you know, do the services like they say, do the services. And of course, pray. You know, you will have to pray to have the strength to endure this. And think about your children. You know, God loves your children more than you do. And mm-hmm. they're his. hmm and just pray that shield of protection over your children, and God will give you the strength to endure. And just keep, keep going, keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. It's for your children.
0: There you go. And there's no uh, better notes to possibly end on than that. So Rachel, thank you so much for coming on, and sharing the story, and actually uh, getting down into the nooks uh, and crannies a little bit. Mm-hmm. And. Um,
1: Thank you. You know, anytime. And I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. If you ever, I have my own website, Mm -hmm. www.rachelbruno.com. You can email me there. You know, I'll try my best to help you. And a lot of people who do contact me simply want an ear, somebody to listen to them Mm -hmm. and to let them know that they are human beings, that they do deserve respect and that they are loved and they need somebody with hope. So if you just need somebody to talk to, I'm here.
0: <laughs> awesome. And uh, again, thank you. And if Rachel's story has taught us anything, there is definitely a fight out there. There is always a fight out there. And you know what